Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you about the Baltimore Craft Beer Festival. It's the largest all-Maryland craft beer festival in Baltimore, featuring more than 60 Maryland breweries, dozens of vendors, live music, and local eateries. This event directly supports the Brews Association of Maryland and Strong City, Baltimore. Full details can be found at BaltimoreCraftBeerFestival.com. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we're doing a uh, follow-up episode with uh, Lost Rhino, because it been about what a year it was your 100th episode i think oh, was it yeah i you know i i every time i have someone back on right. i think that um i should go back and listen to it so i know what we did cover and right, we right. didn't and then but we've we've gained so many more people since then like oh, even yeah. if we double up on stuff yeah, yeah. i get most of the people have never heard it before right right um, so why don't you go ahead and I feel like our voices are kind of close to, yeah. <laughs> but, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself sure. so that people can put a name with the voice. Sure. And- sure. Um, I'm Matt Hagerman. Uh, I started Lost Rhino Brewing Company in 2009 and I am just glad to be back. It's, uh, it's amazing, uh, how craft is developing and especially up here in Frederick. So big fan of Frederick. I lived here and brewed in, I brewed in PG County for quite a while, and um, just like being back. So, now uh, through the magic of Facebook memories, I was, or maybe it was uh, one of the two. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Instagram sure. reminds you of everything yeah, now yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reminded of the first time I went to Lost Rhino and how much I enjoyed the gigantic pretzels that yeah. you guys have. <laughs> yep, super popular. Yeah, we did them. Um, uh, it's one of those things that um, we sort of did. I know, you know, there's a lot of breweries that don't, but like, you know, I sort of did food right out of the gate because, you know, I wanted him to have an alternative and, you know, pretzels were always a go-to and we found an awesome vendor that um, those those are made in Germany. Like they're they're baked there and then they, they have this crazy shipping and they get them here and then we just warm them up and serve them. So. Ah, they, I mean, they taste like they were freshly made. There. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would have, you yeah. could have told me that you made them yeah, from yeah, scratch yeah. in the yeah, back right, and I would, right. I would have completely believed yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they're awesome. They're a great group to work with too. So. I think, um, next to beer, uh, a soft pretzel is my favorite thing at a brewery. Agreed. Um, in fact, a old mother, well, by the time people hear this old mother did have a, um, uh, Oktoberfest party. Oh yeah. And the only reason I went was, uh, because oh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I went, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. what really sold me on it is that roast house pub, our longtime sponsor mm-hmm. is doing the food for it. Oh, okay. And one of the things is a 10 ounce Bavarian pretzel. Oh wow. So I, that, that Doesn't sold me, better. that yeah, sold yeah. me right there. Yeah. It goes perfectly with beer. Definitely a nice balance. So, um, Actually, I want to, before we dive, I want to be a little self-serving mm-hmm. at first because we, we're drinking yeah, we are. Um, the collaboration beer that at this point is definitely sold out, but it was just canned this morning. Awesome. Um, it's called Fox in the Hen House, brewed by Ine- Idiom Brewing Company. Um, if I don't let everyone know that my wife came up with the name, she will continue to give me grief for not <laughs> telling people that she came up with the name. Indeed. Um, what do you think of it? It's fantastic. No, he did a really good job, man. And it literally, like, it being canned a few hours ago is a special <laughs> treat in general. So 
Um, it's very exciting. No, it's very good. Oh, yeah, I think at the time really it is. Uh, oh no, they don't put. Do they put the? Oh yeah, at, it was canned at ten thirty one. There you go, man. <laughs> See, that's fresh. That's some craft can bring to the table. So, and in our our idea behind this was that to make a hazy red IPA. Sure. I don't know. We didn't feel like it turned out quite red enough to put red on the label, but it it definitely it's looking way more red than it did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and as it as it refines and gets a little bit older, it will you know become more red. But uh, you did a great job. I mean, like I was mentioning earlier, is that red is literally one of the hardest targets to hit. Yeah. So um, no, I definitely give you well, props. Great. I uh, several years ago, um, it was for the newspaper's 125th anniversary. Mm-hmm. We made a beer with Monoxie Brewing Company, sure. and we named it Red All Over. Awesome. And I think we gave Tom Flores, the mm-hmm. brewmaster there, an ulcer uh, for him to make sure <laughs> yeah. that the the beer was red. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And, and I mean, and, and it was red, red. No, that's But that awesome. one, we didn't try it. Like, it wasn't hazy or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, so sure, sure. That, I think that might make it a little easier. Right, it, right. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, but you still have, like, proteins and everything in here, and it, it looks great with them. So. Yeah, so I'm... I'm pretty happy with how it uh, yeah, came very, out. Very proud of you. I mean, it was well, it was mainly uh, um, the guys at Idiom, mainly Michael uh, that did that. But sure, man, I, mean, I, I was there yep. at least. I, I dumped some <laughs> stuff into the kettle. That's cool, man. That's part of it. It's all. It all has parts. So, so one of um, the main reasons I've been wanting to have you on again uh, was because. It was like a few months after you were on, or maybe it was a little longer than that. Uh, the, you announced, and is it? I would assume it's done at this point, right? Uh, uh, it's still explaining? in process, okay. but it is. It's a long process to have tanks made and all. It's just it takes a long time. So, um, w- w- let's talk about that. What? Sure. Um, you, it's a pretty major expansion. That yeah, you're going through. it is for us, um, certainly. And um, you know, we're adding in. Um, you know, we've moved into. 100 barrel tanks now so um you know we're doing four more of those and then we're going into 200 barrel bright tanks now so um it's just definitely that transition that we've been looking for for a while always been challenging to get there but we're finally getting there and like i was saying earlier is that you know worked very hard um as a company to keep our dollars in the u.s and that's that's challenging as a whole especially in our yeah. industry so um, we yeah, actually, especially since everything that is um, uh, manufactured from has a nice uh, added yeah, yeah. tax slapped oh, onto yeah, it right now. Tariff, yeah, indeed. Um, that's, yeah, part of the challenge, to say the least. So um, we're very fortunate to work with a group up in just outside of Detroit and uh, Lake Orion. And um, they've been assembling tanks now. I, I have several of their tanks, and um, they're a great company to work with. Their group's name is called Craftworks. And oh, there's um, um, who there's definitely someone in Frederick that okay. has craft work. Yeah, stuff. yeah, sure. Yeah, they they started out as, you know, they were doing uh, wine originally and then they sort of transitioned in. And I was fortunate enough to, to be part of, you know, them bringing on, going into fermenters. So we had a lot of input on design and everything. And now that they've developed, it's um, their their work is, you know, it's fantastic so give you an idea each tank is about double what comes from overseas so heavy weight wise okay so so it's a yeah good solid uh engineer yeah yeah and these guys are like you know the the company um you know these guys are you know 
third generation welders up there so like they know exactly what they're doing when they're putting these things together which i would imagine uh, when you're looking at the quality of a tank that's what 90 percent of yeah it really is (laughs) what makes the difference it is it's super important so um that's something that we took um took into effect and we we uh been working with them ever since what uh what size fermenters were you coming from um so we have a like Due to lack of uh, funding in general, <laughs> um, I have a large assortment of uh, tanks. Um, I have, you know, I have 18 barrel tanks that were built in the early 80s. Um, Are those the ones that had a the black the long one. stint of living on a tractor trailer truck? Yep. Uh, well, yeah, that was that was uh, those were on a tractor trailer truck, and then um, um, and then the other fermenters I bought 450 barrel fermenters from. Um, a, uh, a guy that was trying to open up a brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, um, which is the home of Yangling. I was going to say, that's kind of a bold move. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> so that's why I have the tanks. Yeah. So <laughs> to give you an idea. So I was... I yeah, was, I wonder, like, I mean, that's in like nowhere, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I wonder, is has craft even caught on at all? And does like... I would think that Yingling has such a grip on the hearts of people in Pottsville. They wouldn't even consider drinking yeah, anything like else. <laughs> literally, you can't talk about it. Like, you can't talk about it because it's just, you know, because the roots there run so deep. I yeah, mean, they've, they've been there forever. Yeah, I, they're the oldest brewery in the country. <laughs> so, like, they've literally been there forever. And, um, you know, and it's all generational. And all those people have worked and lived there their whole life. And so of the last three or four generations. So. Yeah, it was great. I... It was like two days ago, for some reason, someone brought up Yingling to me that they were there. So I, I yep. went, I didn't realize that the daughters had taken over. Yeah, they just um, recently, I think. So. Yeah, like I think either the beginning of this year yeah, or yeah. last year. And they're the sixth generation of the family that's amazing, run man. the brewery. It's amazing. It's Especially amazing. Like, from what I understand, at least from um, the handing down of businesses, like that generational transition is one of the hardest parts of it Yeah, because things become so diluted as the family grows larger. It's harder and harder for a family to maintain control of a business. So it's amazing that they've been able to do that. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, I can imagine that, that, you know, because they all have different interests and and um, it's really hard to keep, especially if they're not passionate about it or they're yeah. like, hey, I want to go, you know, be a vet or something, you know, veterinarian or something like that. Like, I think that, that that part would be really challenging. A lot of them are around it their whole life, so they really don't know, you know, yeah. or are not exposed to other things. But, yeah, I can imagine that would be a challenge. What I didn't realize, it wasn't until the 90s that Yingling actually took off. Yeah, they, they, they were only, they were, they stayed in like, or they were, I guess west of PA. I don't know how. No, far. They, they they recently went into Ohio. I oh, mean, okay. re- recently within yeah, like yeah. five right, five right. to ten years. Um, but it just it was one of the interviews I watched. They were just saying like sure. in the nineties it was a struggle, and then uh, it just like it started right. to take off. That, they bought a brewery in uh, Florida as well. Yeah, because that was it was like Pennsylvania and Florida were the two <laughs> huge markets. Right, that right, they were. right. Makes sense, I guess. And then from what I understand, it was like. What people have said is that so many people from Pennsylvania go to Florida, like that was sure. what the correlation was. But who knows if that yeah. was true or who not? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing brewery, though. I don't know if you've been. No, but, I've never been there. Um, you know, they have the catacombs and everything because it's old school, yeah. right? So they have the the lottering caves and everything, and it's it's amazing. It really is. It's a it's a cool tour if you can ever do it. 
So, Definitely highly recommend it. So even with, with 50 barrel fermenters, you were still on the larger side for yeah. a, cause I guess there's kind of like the, the craft brewery that's heavy into distribution. Sure. Tends to be a little larger. Like sure. The, I think the nowadays, the typical tap room focus sale mm-hmm. brewery, 20 barrel fermenters yeah. is the normal size. Yeah, sure, so, sure. I mean, you're it's a big jump over what most other craft breweries are. Yeah. I think, uh, my timing was fortunate. I think with that, um, you know, we had, we had, uh, you know, a big brewery, you know, old dominion. That's, you know, where my brew house came from Yeah, and was on the truck as well for a long <laughs> time. But, uh, um, you know, we we're fortunate to where there was a, you know, we were the first brewery in Loudoun County after that, like, you know, and there was just nobody there. So I sort of picked up a, a lot of, you know, what created a vacuum and we sort of helped fill that but we focused right out of the gate i just want to make sure that you know i could share the beer with everyone so we did focus pretty heavily right out of the gate in retail um the tasting room was really just a side project until it started going and um you know and then the the laws have changed even since i've opened is that you know we we had to have a kitchen like you couldn't open a tasting room without one okay um the abc laws were written so um so we went so ahead. in a lot of ways the the laws of that time yeah the constraints you were put in actually kind of helped you a lot to yeah. help differentiate you from other places yeah, now because it's just it's you know it's not an op- it wasn't an option yeah. so you had to have it you know and um so yeah that that definitely helped with um laying out how we were going to move in the future but um and then you know i i i think that the important piece too was that um you know tasting room was doing you know well but we wanted to make sure that you know, we could expand accordingly as the market dictated, you know, and we had, you know, we've had certainly our challenges because as anybody has ever heard my story, you know, I started out with no funding at all. Yeah. So, well, I remember so, and yeah. if people go back and listen to the original <laughs> yeah, sure, one, you sure. were, you were walking around a, um, beer festival more yeah. or less begging people. To yeah. Yeah. And, and what I, you know, even in that beer festival, I quickly realized that this wasn't going to work because, <laughs> you know, everybody's hammered and like walking yeah. around drinking. I'm like, nah, this is not a good idea. I don't want them waking up on Monday and freaking out. But, but, uh, we were still fortunate during, even during the festival to, to get what we needed, uh, to get things moving. So it's crazy. It was a crazy time. But. So let's take a, um, we're going to take a real quick break sure. to, um, thank Rose House Pub, our longtime sponsor. Uh, and when we get back, I will um, let you get back to your expansion story sure. that I took you on a long, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> a long it's totally tangent fine. from. Totally fine. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. All right, so you were saying you have 100 barrel tanks on order. Yeah, so I, I have, uh, so currently I think you know we have mostly 50 barrels, so we have, uh, I think, eight now. Um and again, we, we do things a little bit differently. Um, 
Final glider half of ice, we actually have a 60-barrel open fermenter, which is um, pretty unusual in general. There are very few people that are doing it at that level. So yeah, I think the only place I've ever seen other than you is um, Trogues. Yeah, Trogues has them, and then Sierra Nevada has some open fermentation. But um, something that, like our Hefeweizen um, is actually, you know, technically a Kellerweiss, like it's actually made in open fermentation. And you get different ester profiles and everything for that beer, but um, we have that, and then um, uh, 50 barrels, and then we do have a 100-barrel um, tank, which I had to squeeze into the space. Um, as you know, I'm in an office park with very <laughs> limited height in ceilings, which is always a challenge for breweries in general, but we're able to redesign the new ones to, to fit in a little bit better. So, so a little more short and stout. Yeah, yeah kind short of. and stout is exactly right. So um, we're fortunate enough, we got a centrifuge um, uh, a couple of years ago now, and um, that really helps us with um, propagation and yeast propagation, et cetera. So it'll be, it'll be good. I'm excited, very excited. So the when you're doing the open fermentation mm -hmm. for Hefeweizen, sure. does that put you at a higher risk of what you any like things you don't want getting in there and how how do you protect that and prevent it sure so um yeah it's usually the first question because it's one of the you know most it's funny like a lot of people like you know other than home brewing right they've never seen you know you don't see a couple thousand gallons of beer brewing like it's yeah. or fermenting like it's a, a really cool experience but what happens is um, the beer in general the yeast will actually um, instinctively protect itself. So what happens is it forms a head on top called the croissant, which is okay. basically, and then what it's doing is it's pumping out. So as a croissant head, then it's pumping out um, CO2 at a rate to where it will fill up the, the, uh, the top of it. And then you can literally see it visually. You can see the CO2 pouring out of the top of the tank and down. So that's protecting you from oxygen and all the other issues that it might have so it just creates a natural yeah it's all natural yeah so it, it creates a natural protection top basically for the beer that only lasts a few days so it's, it's definitely time management with that but if you do it right like what happens is after the few days then you shuttle it into you know a unit tank or a regular fermenter and okay. let it finish out but um, that way you don't get the wild yeast strains and all the other things that you don't want so what's the benefit to doing it that way I, I think like, you know, we've talked about this a lot and we've tried different beers and there's a real difference like w as far as like, you know, yeast in an open fermentation environment aren't under a lot of stress. It's a very natural environment for them. Um, there's no pressure on the, the top of the tank. There's no pressure building. I mean, most tanks, you know, are open and, you know, the, the valves and everything are open, but it's still a very different like uh, uh, ester, aromatic, you know, you get more like, you know, clove as opposed to banana, like, and it's amazing. Like we know when we're brewing that because our entire brewery smells like a banana nut bread factory. <laughs> it's like, it's unbelievable. And, um, but there's definitely like, you can definitely sense and taste the difference because like I said, I don't know if it's a difference between like caged chickens and free range. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's like that, but I think that at the end of the day though, there's definitely a difference. In, so kind of like less stress. Put yeah, on it the, really is. Yeah. And I, th I think that, um, there's something to be said about that. And I, just like I said, your, your ester profile and your, your aromatics are a bit different too with that. So the, are you doing just an equipment expansion or are you doing like a physical space expansion also? Um, well, the, the tank, 
space um we're expanding outside which is a little bit different um for us because like i said we have issues with height and all that other yeah. stuff so putting equipment pads and chillers outside okay. um, on equipment pads so um, that's part of that process but um the space size itself won't really change um, for us but um we our our goal is to um use up as much of that space as we can sort of shoehorn shoehorn it in is pretty much there at this point but <laughs> but what we're doing is we're moving stuff around so like the kegs the empty dirty kegs will go outside okay like those types of things but logistically but the space size itself won't change you know the only thing we've done over the last uh four months to the space is the tasting room where we um actually put in a patio you know outside because like that that was a big challenge for us because you know we didn't have landlords we had a lot of challenges there but um people too wanted to bring dogs in and that's a, a big deal um, especially down in, in the Loudon area where yeah. people want to be able to bring dogs. We had dogs on there yesterday. So, like, you know, people enjoy doing that, and that's really become a part of the culture, I think, of being able when to did, When was the patio done? I don't think uh, I've been down we, there Yeah, since. we just – we just finished it maybe uh, maybe two months ago. Okay, so, good. Yeah, I don't so. feel bad. Then. No, no, it's fine. I, I didn't think it had been that that long. No, since no, I yeah, yeah. In there. So no, it hasn't been hasn't been that long. So um, we're excited about it, but it's uh, just a another place where you can go and hang. You know, everybody wants to be on the yeah. drink, especially when it's nice, not you know ninety degrees and humid. So but, does that go out into like where some of the parking area was, or uh, just actually prior like, to the sidewalk? Yeah, it's prior to the sidewalk okay. and. It's kind of weird. Like our space, uh, our building actually moves away from the parking lot, going lengthwise. So our patio is sort of like, uh, you know, like a big triangle kind okay. of thing. But, um, but uh, no, it's a, a big difference. Big difference. We're excited about having that. Trust me. So it's yeah, been a long time coming. And then the, looking at the weather for the next week or so is going to be perfect. Yeah, for no, sitting it will. Out there. I agree. I the, totally agree. So, so it's almost perfect timing. Cause yeah. Like I, prior to the last couple of weeks, no, the like, summer is not a time. Yeah, I no, want to sit just up. go out there and bake in the parking <laughs> lot. No, nobody wants to do that. So, <clears throat> so the loud, you were, you were one of the first in Loudoun County. Um, after was after was, Old Dominion. Were they still they weren't open when you No 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 because yeah, they had the, already been purchased right. by Fordham? Uh, or? yeah, it was a combination of uh uh A B and Fordham okay. to form coastal, yeah. Um so now there are what, thirty four ish four, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um how how much of a benefit has Loudoun County and actually Virginia as a whole mm. being so friendly and on board with um, craft beer? How, how advantageous to you has that been? I think uh, in general, you know, I'm a big fan of education. And I think what it does is, you know, there's a lot of wineries in Virginia, even in Loudoun County that have beer now as well. Because they sort of had the facilities already to yeah. to do wine, so they they sort of branched off and did like the farm brewery concept, and I think that that's in general uh, helped us um, as far as the the education and getting people out there and exposing wine drinkers, if you will, to the the art the of better craft. liquid. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm all on board with that. But you know, I think that I think that exposure to what we're doing has has gone a long way for benefit. You know, and, and Loudoun County, you're you're already well aware of this, but like, um, it's growing at a, a breakneck speed down there. Uh, down there, and I think that you know a lot of it. Like, we have all the data centers down there now, and 
It's just changing that. Yeah, what is it like? Forty some percent of the country's date bandwidth goes through Loudoun County. Go, Maybe goes, even larger than that. Yeah, go, yeah. I think it's it's. I think it's more than that, and it goes through Ashburn in yeah. particular because they have Verizon there. And okay, and um, you know these these data centers are coming online at a rate that's it's mind boggling. You know, it's millions of square feet a quarter. You know, so it's just. And it's the the richest uh, county in the country. Yep. Which yeah, seems weird. Like yeah, I, you would weird. expect it to be like part of Miami or something. Yeah, or, or like, yeah, somewhere or there, Hollywood or somewhere or, in yeah. California, yeah, right, or like right. someplace where the cost of living is. I mean, it's not cheap to live in Loudoun County. No, no, it is. But it's it's not even close to how expensive as it is in like New York or places. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> places in California. So you right, would right. think that one of those were. So it's yeah. a bargain. You'll make yeah. a ton of money, and right. uh, you have a bargain to right. live. And we have a lot of a lot of folks that are transporting. You know, mainly because of like Facebook and Google and all those guys. But we have a lot of those uh, transporting to Loudoun County now that are, you know, mostly in Silicon Valley. Right. So, yeah, um, I heard we were renamed uh, Data Valley. So I love like, yeah. people just love to come like, oh, I know yearn I know. to give places. Oh, they stupid have nicknames. Yeah, I know. I'm like, that like, could have been a little more creative. Yeah. Guys, I mean, can we just call it Loudoun County? Yeah, still? or just call it Loudoun County or Ashburn. <laughs> yeah, I would have been fine with that. But, but it. um it does seem Loudoun County puts a lot of um, resources, money, they time, do. and uh, energy into promoting craft beer. They really which do. When, yeah. and, which is really nice when you look at it as they could have ignored beer oh, yeah, and just sure. stuck with wine because sure, they were already sure. so well known for it. But sure. thankfully they've had the foresight that the jump on the, oh, the yeah. craft beer wagon and – yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, they've been nothing but helpful for, you know, all the brands that are coming up, you know, and even I know people don't, you know, a lot of new breweries, um, we've been doing this since we opened, but like we we make sure as a company, as a brewery to help them get off on the right foot because, you know, we want to make sure that craft as a brand is where we need it to be. And that's really important for us. So we want to make sure that all the breweries get off on the right foot. You know, yeah, we've not, we've talked about that on the podcast before mm, to other yeah. people that you having a competitor that's putting out a bad product can be detrimental to you also. Sure. Because if, if it's uh, – there are still so few people who drink craft beer. Oh, that yeah, yeah. There are plenty of people that that could be their first experience. Sure. They try – this really bad beer from a new brewery, right. then they're not going to go to Lost Rhino because no, they no, think sure. craft beer is the garbage that they picked up down the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think that that's critical for all of us, uh, the breweries, is that you know you want to make sure not only that they're having a good experience, but they're getting the quality product and the education of why we're doing it in the first place. And I think that um, that's a really important factor to capture the non-craft beer drinkers, you know. So has Loudoun County always been that friendly, or is that like in the last several years no, where as more started to open that they really sh focused on yeah, it? Yeah, sure. I think that um, yes to probably both, but I think that, you know, when we were there, like, you know, I, it was hard to find anybody that even could inspect the place, like, because they had never <laughs> done it before. Yeah. So, so I think that um, over the years, though, they certainly saw the potential and the opportunity there. And, um, and, you know, we're able to, you know, they have the resources to be able to take advantage of it. So they have the, the Loudon Hill Trail and, you know, they have these little booklets and maps yeah. and, you know, they have, um, you know, 
going out in Loudon, and you know a lot of the breweries are in there. So um, they've done a really good job with um, just the media presence, but um, and you know just being there to help out and promote events. They reach out to all the breweries all the time to see how they can promote the events and get people out to there because ultimately they want to be that attraction. Yeah. It's definitely important, especially from a tourism standpoint, you know. So we're going to take another quick break Mm -hmm. to thank our newest sponsor. Um, Well, at this point, actually, it's probably been a while. I've I've gotten so out of, like, typically typically we always record an episode and, like, release it the next week. Sure, sure. But we went a month where I had trouble getting guests. And now it's like if anyone says yes, I just record an episode. But now I'm on the opposite problem (laughs) where I have so many. I have no idea when this will come out. So um, a great newish sponsor um, who you're headed to see Mm -hmm. in a little bit, um, District East. I'm excited. So um, let's uh, thank them and then we get back. Um, we'll talk about at least one of the beers you have in mm-hmm. front of you because I want to crack one of those open yeah. next. Yeah. District East is located on the 800 block of East Street next to Rockwell Brewing Company and Family Meal. Choosing from their large selection of craft beer, you can create a custom six-pack suited to your taste. With tastings every Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Crowler and Growler fills available and kegs to go, it's a beer drinker's paradise. Their knowledgeable and helpful staff will help guide you to the perfect beer or wine for any occasion. They have been selected by many breweries to host limited and exclusive beer releases, which made them the obvious choice to feature my collaboration beers. Stop in and see them for yourself. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. All right, so we are enjoying a MIG right now, My Imaginary Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Which was, I guess, what a subtle jab at gamers kind of. Was this made for an event originally, if I remember correctly? Yeah, so it was was a collaboration we did with a bunch of um, guys over at one of our distributors, and they just wanted to be part of a a brewery or part of, you know, a beer, you know, brewing a beer. And they're all crazy, every one of them. And (laughs) uh, super fun to be around. But this is a, you know, this really goes back to exactly what we were just talking about a little bit ago. So we're Data Valley, which means that we have a, a significant amount of coders in our immediate area, and they love to play games. And and it, there was that, like, that um, stereotype of a, a gamer that is in his parents' basement. It's dark. Yeah. And the original, the original uh, which we had to change eventually, but the original graphic was literally it was a guy sitting um, down on his basement floor and he has a couch so the the glow of the tv is lighting up the room if you will and it's lighting up the couch and he's playing video games on the tv but then he's got his blow-up doll <laughs> is sitting on the couch with them right like that was our original yeah. and people loved it like it was ridiculous and and um and we called it so for fun, we called it level one. So we're, this is level seven. Okay. So each year is a new level. So you level up. Is it the is it the same beer each year? Or yeah, is yeah. Each we level tr- you just no. We try so to keep it a, as okay. much as we can. 
Um, MIG has a, a lot of different hops in it. I don't even think I can name them all, but uh, but that's intentional, right? It was something a little bit different that we wanted to do and a little bit higher in ABV. But again, it was sort of a, even if you look at the can, it's pixelated. Like the whole thing was designed around gamers and coders and yeah. people that normally didn't go out. And it's not just dudes. Like I know that everybody <laughs> think that is not the case. Um, so, you know, cause I've had, um, uh, plenty that wanted girls that have want to do my imaginary boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, okay, like we could look at it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing, but like, sure. So again, it was just something that we could relate to our, you know, local community there because we have a lot of coders. So, yeah. So now I don't think we talked about this at all last time, but it looks like our, all of your core, which I'm guessing the face plant, final glide, Rhino Chaser and New River mm-hmm. are all um, core brands. Yep, they're they're all kind of uh, outdoor sport themed. Sure. Yep. So is that? Yeah. So the whole brand was wrapped around outdoor adventure. Yeah. You know, because you know it really started off with Rhino Chasers, and Rhino Chasers was um, the original logo for it was the Rhino with the surfboard, which is why it's in the middle and not you know part of the the logo but rhino chasers as i think i mentioned is slang for big wave surfers so um originally the brand came out of huntington beach california and was actually back in the day rhino chasers was the third largest craft uh contract brand in the country um so it was a, a big brand so rhino chasers as a company had like four or five different beers so we sort of um like the name and then we had the the logo designed around the name because every, the first question that is on my tour is like why is it called lost rhino and i'm like well because i had a really awesome logo it was simple that's what i wanted and it's a rhino with a surfboard and i'm in the middle of ashburn yeah. so <laughs> we called him the lost rhino and that whole that whole thing was you know finding your adventure or finding the next new adventure because rhino chasers that's what they do is that group goes out and looks for the next big wave the they're big wave surfers in general, but it's just something cool that we came up with. And, um, yeah, everything that, that we have is, uh, themed and, um, uh, outdoor themed in general, like new river is a little bit different. We were fortunate enough to get that. Um, I'm actually doing a 20 year anniversary on the new river. Um, the new river has been in the, the marketplace now for a little over 20 years and how that happens is that um, I was fortunate enough to buy the uh, the brand off of uh, the family um, that owned New River. So New River, do you, I, I can know. tell you the quick story. Yeah, I don't know um, anything yeah, about yeah. New so River. So New River uh, Brewing Company was um, uh, put together, well, it was New River Paleo, and uh, a guy named uh, Kenny Lefkowitz um, down in, uh, he had just graduated uh, at Virginia Tech down at Blacksburg, and he wanted to start his own brewery. He was brewing at a place called, uh, I think it's called the Vintage Cellar in Blacksburg, and um, we we decided that we were, he decided at that point that he wanted to open a brewery. That's what he wanted to get into because he was home brewing, doing all that stuff. And, you know, as with most most things is that he didn't have the the funding that he needed so he found out that um old dominion brewing company was um contract beer you know contract brewing in general so he called jerry bailey up and um 
convinced him to take on his brand, you know, for a fee, you know, brew it and all that. And um, he want like, so they brewed it up for him. It was originally bottled. And to give you an idea, so this was November of 99. And um, he submitted it to the Great American Beer Festival and won a medal out of the gate. And that's in the pale ale category, so that's a yeah. That's yeah. You know, even back then, it was still hard because you got Sierra Nevada and like the, the yeah. big guys. Like it's not, it wasn't. It's, it was never easy. So, um, and uh, New River was one of the became one of the newest or biggest brands at Old Dominion as contract beer. But unfortunately, um, in I think it was two thousand three, um, he was thirty two, I believe, and he um, he was on a treadmill and died of a massive heart attack and oh, wow. so his family sort of took it over to keep his legacy alive etc and i knew that obviously because i i worked at old dominion yeah. and i brewed his beer so i knew the whole story so we kept it alive but unfortunately when the, the old dominion was purchased it it was the first brand to go because you know um you know coastal didn't own the brand so they dumped it and i'd heard about that and reached out to the family rough ride to say the least um and, you know, because it's a very emotional brand for them, as you yeah. can possibly imagine. And, um, you know, I convinced them to give me a shot at it. And, um, you know, I, again, I didn't have a bunch of money, so, like, I gave them a rough fee and, um, you know, bought the brand. But as that, my promise was that I would keep his legacy alive. So what I did is that he actually had a website, which you can find at lostrano.com, called newriverbrewing.com. Tells his whole story, has pictures of him on there brewing the beer, all that stuff. And like I said, this is late 90s, and um, it was bottled back at Old Dominion, and we've basically taken it and just kept it going. And we're doing an anniversary party um, in November, looking around the 8th. We're doing an anniversary party down in Blacksburg, and we're doing one at the uh, the brewery. Oh, wow, that's and awesome. basically we're going to try to get his family up and just be part of it. And that, you know— that's what that brand was all about. It was really important that we do that. So. Is it the same recipe? It is. Wow. And it's very challenging um, yeah. because, you know, over the, you know, it's 20 years ago, right? So, like, you know, we've tried to keep it as close yeah. as we can with, you know, there's, you know, hop changes and all that, but um, real challenging. But it's, and it, you know, like I said, it's gone through some changes, but um, we've kept it as close as we can to what the the beer should be. And the the big difference in this beer was this is very cutting edge in 99. <laughs> um, like they have Amarillo in there, which was almost brand new to the market, very hard to get. And uh, um, that's a big staple in that beer. Um, but it's a, it's an awesome product. I'm very passionate about it. And um, we're continuing. This just started going into cans about a month ago. And um, we already have it rolling out into, into Frederick now. So... Um, but as long as people understand like the story and what the backdrop was on it, I think that that's really important, you know, to keep his, his legacy going. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cheers. Is the, um, <clears throat> is the label at all similar or is that all yes. completely redone? Well, for... we had to redo it a little bit cause it was very dated as yeah. you can imagine. So, um, uh, what we did is, um, we kept the color. I have a, an amazing graphic artist, Logan. Um, uh, he's done all my graphics and, um, what we did is we kept a lot of the, the hints of the original label. So, um, the, the moon and the stars and the purple, the color profile is about the same. The guy swinging on the rope is new, but, um, because it was just originally, it was just a river scene, yeah, a river scene yeah. and okay. that was it. So we added the hops and then 
some dude going out on the swing. So we thought that was cool. And of course, we added our little pieces to it. Yeah, that's what made it fun. But well, it sounds like it's a close enough, nice. Oh yeah, yeah, to yeah. It. You could nice you could definitely tell they were the same. So uh, or came from the same place. Yeah. ultimately. And what is I forget what is Dawn Patrol? Yeah, Dawn Patrol is our other seasonal beer. Um, oh, Dawn Patrol is our session um, IPA, just a lighter version of um, uh, the face plant. Sort of falls in the four and a half uh, profile. So very drinkable, crushable beer during the summertime. So we roll that out. So the for the most part, um, and how how I forget now how long has Lost Rhino been in existence? It's probably says uh, 2009. Okay, so 10 years. You're yeah. a veteran, I would yeah. say, at this point compared to yeah, I was, the most most other ones. Yeah, I've been in the industry now for almost 20 years, which is uh, a little crazy. And I started out on the other end of the spectrum in production. So, like, I, I sort of skipped because I was a home brewer and all that. But and um, actually, I started out cleaning floors is what I did. So, um, you know, I went to school originally for mechanical engineering and um, – you know, I went to I went on a tour at Old Dominion, and I was that guy, right? So at the end of the tour, hey man, do you have a job? And then um, he wouldn't, uh, he didn't have anything then. But um, I called him every two weeks for four months, and he finally gave me one, <laughs> and it was cleaning floors. So I sort of worked my way up from cleaning floors to the mechanic to running the bottling line operation into the cellar, and then ultimately wound up a brewer, and then went out to school um, in California to be you know, get my certificate or whatever, and then um, came back, and then that's when I went to Growlers in Gaithersburg. So and I still am amazed by how many people are alumni of Growlers. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy, it is crazy the number of brewery owners or yeah, brew, head brewers now that yeah, got had at some point worked at Growlers, yeah, this yeah. little tiny place. In, my assistant just called uh, not too long ago, um, Brett, and he's uh, in Tietum now, so – and I'm like, that's awesome. And then Charlie, of course, is at Fairwind. So um, it's crazy, man. I'm like, oh, now I'm the old dude. I'm like, that's not good, man. When you, but it's cool. It's cool to see your apprentices that can, yeah. you know, make it up that far. That's, I've always thought kind of like the um, beer industry is kind of like um, professional football. Yeah. Where there's like coaching trees sure, yeah, where you yeah. have like this one coach and then like there's all the like, like a tree of brewers that, oh, yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, branch yeah. off from that one it's brewer. totally like that yes totally agree but no it's exciting so we're having a lot of fun with it and we're gonna keep it rolling we have a lot we have uh, other new products we're doing some variety packs and all that stuff now so it'll be fun so that that is something that i've kind of been thinking about and talking to some people lately is that as as a veteran and i i struggle so much to phrase this in a way that it doesn't sound like it because i wanted to write an article about it and like yeah, it just yeah, keeps sure. like no matter how much i phrase it it kind of like sounds negative or so but <laughs> right. but it's basically like as a veteran brewery mm-hmm. is how do you go about staying relevant mm-hmm. and i don't think like relevance the right word because it almost has a negative connotation but like I understand what you're saying. Like to where you fit in with the current quick changing trends and the the current craft beer environment is what is what's Lost Rhino's approach to that? Sure. Um, My approach is that I usually stay off the bandwagon. um, (laughs) And because, you know, over the years, and this has always happened in just beer in general, 
is that there's always a fad. And we were just talking about this a couple of days ago is that, you know, even back in like the 90s, there was, and I'm sure you remember, like um, this, there was the red phase where all the beers had to be red. So there was Red Wolf and Red Dog. And like, I, I don't know if you remember all I that. Did, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think know. I was drinking. Because even, I mean, I didn't, I drank from like 21 to, well, probably yeah, sure. before. Yeah, yeah, 21, yeah. But legally from 21 to like my mid-20s and sure. I stopped. And I didn't drink for about 10 years. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so I did miss a lot of, and I didn't, like back then I didn't drink beer yeah, at sure. all. But I do rem- I do. Th- remember there yeah. being a lot of beers with red in the yeah, name. Yeah, it was it was red 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 everything, right? Um and then and then literally as soon as people got on board with that, it switched to ice. So then everything was ice. So there was um bud ice and you know all yeah. all these different kinds of ice and you're like uh, Molson ice and like all these different brands you're like what happened to the last yeah. or the reds? They're gone and and I realized that, you know, even in, in craft beer, like, you know, we we try to stay off those trains and just make sure that, you know, we're doing fresh new products. Obviously, that's important. You know, we're always developing and, and doing new products. But the the bandwagon thing, if you will, the quick, quick reaction, um, I try to stay away from that, um, you know, because I think that it's important that we stay loyal to what we're doing as far as quality and consistency. And I want to make sure that even if somebody else is making that, that they can come back and know that, you know, Faceplan and Rhino Chase, all those brands are, are relevant, you know. So we try to make it a more of a go-to kind of beer. I think that was really important, you know, even in the 90s is that um, I feel really old. Like I'm talking like <laughs> back in, you know, 2006. Like I just feel very – but I think that at the end of the day – um, it's just important to to stick with what you believe in. And for us, it's creating new styles. Like we have a Tamavi Czech lager, which is, it's my s- second best-selling beer. Like, and you would never think that. Yeah. And um, it's it's those types of things where there's enough people coming back to try it that I know that I don't have to, to jump off and jump onto another wagon. So, so it, do you think, is that a function of, uh, because when you opened the the tap room culture didn't exist right or, or it was it wasn't it barely is, though barely yeah. um so you built your business off of distribution off of people going yeah, to sure. stores buying your beer and do you think that's a different customer it, it could be yeah i mean um usually from distribution like my side of it was like okay if you're in at a store and you're picking out a beer and you pick up face plant for example now you know that you can go, if you see it on draft, you recognize it. Yeah. So I was trying to get that approach in. Now draft does the same thing, right? Draft sales will drive like the retail side of it, but or can sales. But at the end of the day, though, um, you know, there are a lot of much smaller breweries, too, that can make those those trendy changes right away, like yeah. in real time. And well, yeah, so like how long yeah, is your production schedule planned out? Yeah, it's through the year. So okay, like, yeah, yeah so, so like I can't. You know, we can do small, fun batches, yeah. collaboration. We do a lot of that um, in general. You know, we still have a sour program. Like, we have a lot of different things that we do. But um, to just jump quick on a, a bandwagon and try to ride it out for as long as you can, I just don't – you know, it's very hard for us to do. That's a, a decision that we would have to make. You yeah. know, we're a little bit bigger of a bow. It just takes time to, to switch over. But but now if we see a trend, we're like, this is awesome. This is an amazing 
then we'll certainly, you know, put resources to make sure that it happens. But. So that's in, so like close to you would mm-hmm. be Ocelot and Crooked Run yep. who are making very different oh, types yeah, yeah, of beers. Sure. Um, do you, like, do you think that is a function of size? Be like, it could be. I mean, in the, like, in your, I mean, Crooked Run is also into distribution, not nearly to the. I think yeah. at to the level you are. Um, Ocelot's all sold through the yeah, tasting the tasting room. room, right, right. So they they have that so, ability to make those those changes. Um, you know, the the question we get asked a lot is, um, you know, we need to make a hazy beer. And yeah, I I just like I sort of stayed away from it because I wanted to see like how things were going and where that was trending. Yeah, and, and I guess that one of my questions would even be, do you even need to? Yeah, I like don't. It, is like, it like it? I, I is it hurting you not to have no, a hazy? No, it is not. So, like you know, so I think that, like I said, I think that if we if we find a trend and we're like, all right, yeah, this is awesome, we'll we'll track that and we'll ride with it because you got to be able to adapt too. Yeah. I mean, long term, you don't want to you don't want to not adapt at all and sort of phase yourself out. Like you got to make sure that you stay, you know, sort of route. Like just the face plant and the the Rhino Chasers cans, like we updated them like we have to keep the cans updated like you know those things you have to stay relevant with but um you don't want to look too old-fashioned if you will so um but anyway yeah i think that you know they have the capability to be able to adapt a little bit quicker than i can you know so So. do um do you think you have a different customer base than them or is the i don't know because i have a lot of people that that come into the the tasting room that um drink hazies and yeah love hazies that's i mean i enjoy yeah yeah all of the different places down there yeah yeah so they they all but they'll they'll come in and they'll they'll drink face plant or ranch it like like the the solid cores have really, I guess, never taken a direct hit because I'm not doing a hazy. Like people yeah. just be like, okay, well, I'll take, you know, a check log or something, you know, that I have, and and it's really just not been that issue yet that I've seen. So, yeah, I, I and the, another way I look at it where I find it interesting is that at least online or in like the the top of craft beer culture, mm-hmm. the the hype. Where sure, the hype it's, arena, yeah, it, it's like breweries like that are the ones that get all the attention and talked about all the time. Mm. And meanwhile, uh, I mean, people still talk about Rhino, Lost mm. Rhino, but not as much, right? And it's, and I don't think people realize like how much beer you're selling, right? Like no, it, they don't. Really, it's so. like there, there's the popularity success and then there's the selling a ton of beer. Right. <laughs> right. I, and I think that, um, yeah. And I, I, under, I totally understand that. And I think that at the end of the day, like these, um, the guys that are getting talked about a lot, you know, they're, they're the small guys that have a, they're controlling a very small niche market too. Like it's a, it's, and usually the most vocal, right? So, yeah. like, so I think that um, yeah. That, unfortunately, while you have the most vocal fans, right. they also will turn on you quickly. Oh yeah, very <laughs> in a second. So yeah, and I think that um, you know we've definitely um, you know a lot a lot of questions have been asked of like why we're not jumping on that trend. Like, you know, I, I've seen breweries now that are switching to seltzer water, and I'm like, I'm like, it just like what happens to the brand as a whole? Yeah, you know? like. Is that really, are you dedicated to like quality and consistency? And like, 
um, getting the best product you can out there and making sure that we're giving craft a good name and um, or you just jumping on like whatever comes down the road. Like That feels like a trend that's not going to stick. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I've never like I'm sure this is not the case, but like, um, you know, I've met very few people that actually like the the like enjoy drinking a yeah, hard seltzer. I've never like, had one. Yeah. So um, and now we, I'm seeing and hearing breweries that um, uh, are doing se- are hard seltzers. So I'm like, well, I think isn't that I think no, it's cider. Same ad on Boston beer sells more cider than beer. Now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, like, the percentage of hard seltzer that they sold under the Trulies brand yeah, right. this past year was, like, astronomical also. Yeah, it was triple. So yeah, it was ridiculous. So. But that feels like one of those, yeah, like, an actual fad. Like, right, I don't, right. I don't think, like, hazy and juicy beers are going anywhere anytime no, no, soon. No, 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 they're not. They're not. Um, it, it, but a lot of people do retur- refer to it as a fad. Like, sure. I think maybe it won't be... Because it's kind of like the West Coast IPA of five right. years ago, where yeah. that was the most popular. But something will probably come along. It's a little tweak that that will replace it. But I feel like Seltzer is going to be one of the like Zima. Yeah, yeah Zima. I mean, it's man. basically a yeah, ev- exactly evol- right. <laughs> evolution yeah. of Zima. That really was like people were, you know, back in the day they were putting the Jolly Ranchers yeah. in. The, Zima was the first thing I got drunk on. Yeah, man. Like, and that was uh, and it had Jolly Ranchers in it. Right, exactly. And like in Grenadine, like it was Grenadine or Jolly Ranchers, <laughs> man, and Zima. And um, but I think that you know the, the the definitely the positive thing about like you know the the hazy part of what we're doing the New England styles is that it's developing new styles of beer. And I think yeah. that that's how a lot of styles in beer come along is because somebody made a choice to like, well, I'm going to do something completely different. And that helps develop beer as a whole yeah. brand. So. so you haven't done one at all? Um, no, I mean, I have. Like MIG is yeah, MIG's, hazier. Yeah, no, it rides the um, line, that's yeah. for sure. Um, the final glide is truly a, a hazy yeah. beer. Like, you know, I, I have them. I haven't just identified them, I guess, specifically okay. as hazy. So um, I certainly make them. But, like, um, the Final Glide is naturally, that's a hazy beer yeah. in general. But I've never stamped that on the can, you know. And and that's, you know, like people that come in and ask for hazy beers, the Final Glide meets a lot of, all, almost all the requirements of a hazy beer. It's not, I don't inoculate it with fruit or anything. Yeah, I would be mad at you if I asked for a hazy beer and you hand me that. Yeah, right. But I just, I, <laughs> I don't like half of Weissens. Well, no, we give them the option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. But no, we give them the option of making it like, I wouldn't push it on anybody, but. Yeah, half of is just one of those styles I I don't i don't think yeah. i've ever had one that i enjoyed yeah yeah but i don't like belgian beers yeah and, yeah sure and the wheat beers so it's good though so it's exciting though so the, um you said you that you still do sours but you do yeah. like natural fermentation yeah, at, yeah. like yeah, we do i don't want to say real sours but right. like we don't I'll say do, real sours in quotation marks. yeah we don't do kettle sours. Yeah. so like um so we do the uh the aging, um, we have peach sours and now we're doing blackberry, like a lot of sours and it goes through the year, year and a half aging process. So, you know, it's the Prentanomyces and like the, the whole deal, like, and, and then we put a lot of work into like making sure that people feel like they're getting value. So like it's in 750 wax cor- the whole thing. Like, so we don't, we don't cut any corners with, we want to make sure that people are getting 
a really true sour and they can enjoy it. You know, it's not something that we did on the fly again. Yeah. So. It, it's funny how, um, so like in general, it's like anything not in a can yeah. is frowned upon. Oh yeah. Unless now, like if something's special. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's put into a bottle. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, man. Like, and then again, that's something where it just, it's constantly changing. So. But you, you were always in cans, yeah, right? Yeah, we never. So that, thankfully, yeah. that was a decision you made right away because yeah, I feel like that's something that hurts some veteran oh, breweries yeah. now yeah, is that be in cans, they man. invested so much money in right. a bottling line that they're kind of trapped in it. Yeah, and the great thing is I was dirt poor and I couldn't afford a bottling <laughs> line, so... So um, all I could afford was a can of wine. So yeah, I, remember, I think it, someone had told me that once, like yeah. back when oh, yeah. it was rare and like cans were frowned upon. Oh, that yeah. like a crappy bottle on, bottling line was more expensive than a like a state of the art canning oh, yeah. line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So another th- like another restriction put on you yeah, was crazy. a saving <laughs> was yeah. a saving yeah, grace. Yeah, it was man. It was totally. <laughs> Um, because I really liked uh, back in the day, like I really liked the stubby bottles, the Sierra Nevada yeah, little yeah. short ones. I thought they were really cool. But um, from an economic standpoint, pff, it, I couldn't even like call the guys like they're too expensive. So, so now you, you are probably going through enough cans. Have um, has the cost of cans changed enough to affect your business? Oh yeah. The, the yeah yeah yeah. Because <laughs> I keep seeing articles about that, but I feel like most of the people I talk to on a regular basis aren't at such a large production scale that like it's a difference, but it's not a huge yeah. difference. I mean, we're absorbing some of the margin right now, but like at the end of the day, though, you know, cans have gone up twenty percent, man. That's a, yeah. That's it's not an insignificant. T- that is not a especially when you're buying them by the truckload. Like that's. That, that that's a lot of money, you know, um, short term. So, you know, eventually, unfortunately, the, the result, not me in particular, but like, you know, in general as a, a tariff laws that or tariffs in general are, um, it's the end user, unfortunately, yeah. that's going to get hit with that, you know, because these businesses all have to, you know, survive. And um, it's going to be a challenge. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, it Profit margins aren't large enough no, that twenty percent can <laughs> just go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it does not. So, but again, we try to we try to hold as much of it back as we possibly can because we want to make sure that the the customer ultimately is getting the best value for what they're buying. You know? How many uh, barrels a year are you producing now? Um, so uh, our our goal is to do right around. Um, so we're on 12-month cycles, so we're looking at um, 8,000, so that's what this year. And then um, next year, um, we're looking to almost double that capacity, so so slow but sure, you know. But. What percentage is through your tap room and through the – I mean, I get what – when, when you look at it, do you look at it as the retreat? Would anyone that doesn't know, yeah, that's like yeah. a restaurant, yeah, or right, re- right. an off-site secondary tap room, but yeah. a full restaurant. Yeah, so they, they uh, the tasting room is actually doing, the tasting room will do, you know, between 800 and 1,000 barrels, give or take. I mean, it's significant because we do, a, you know, we have a lot of growlers and stuff like yeah. that. But, but um, as a whole piece, um yeah, both of them are are doing about twenty percent of our our sales in general. So we're still do, pretty local, you know. Do you do crowlers or are you no uh, like that again? Just like growlers. man, I just I don't know if I just happen to be there at the same time, but like you know, all these guys that were jumping on the that was a, again something that came up quick, and 
and you know they're I went to check a couple of them out because I was very interested because we're already doing cans. So I'm like, yeah. that makes sense. And, um, you know, you go in there and, like, beer is going everywhere but in the can. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, God, like, it's all over their windows, the motor's smoking. I'm oh, like, yeah, you definitely need to put the shields up. Oh, yeah. Although I guess, like, I mean, you really – you every, almost everything you sell is packaged also, right? There's not – Well, we uh, do, like, we do a, a significant amount of, like, growlers. But, uh, yeah, most of our stuff, they can – you know, they can just grab a package yeah. of it if they need. If you want to so. go home with beer from Lost Rhino, it doesn't have to be in a to like a, a can a sealed yeah. at that moment. No, it no, can, not it, at all. Yeah. It's already been packaged. Yeah, and, it's been packaged, and it's you know we keep it all fresh. But I think that you know even if they want Tamavi or uh, a, a red IPA or whatever, like they can just uh, get a growler of it. And we have a couple different sizes of that so that they don't have to drink the whole thing. But yeah, I hated. When any place you went to and all they had were 64-ounce growlers. Yeah, no. Like, like that's man. dedication. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, and, and by the time, like, you know, if people want to just enjoy it and go home, then, um, you know, that's why I went to the – like, we have two. We have the 64 and the 32. But, like, the 32 is very popular because yeah. they just want to, like, have it for a barbecue. They don't want to get hammered and then yeah. have to find a ride home or sleep at some dude's house. Like yeah, or it's not a big party that <laughs> yeah, you're, right, like, right. you... Right, right. You actually have to act a certain way. So. But that's what... I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like Crowler. I Like, I yeah, do yeah, like absolutely. Crowlers because yeah. of that. No, I like them. But I'm you're like, right. They do fling you... Like, oh, if you If you're a place that doesn't put up the shields around Oh, yeah, too, yeah. It, and, and this, uh, um, this lady that I watched, she was... There was a second time I had gone and looked at one, and because I, I really am interested in them, and it probably be something we'll do eventually. But like, um, you know, she put it, the can in, and the can got bent. She had already filled it with beer, and like the lip was bent or something. Uh-huh. So she dumped it. In, so this the beer is being moved into another, dumped into a can. So uh-huh. now it's all foaming and a mess. So then she top it off, put it in. That was dented. And then she finally got one. She found one that wasn't dented. So I'm just watching. I'm like, I can't believe what I'm watching. (laughs) And she didn't close that, whatever the – because I didn't think it would work, but I guess they have it overridden or whatever. And she didn't, and the lid did not seem correctly and just literally, like, um, spun the beer directly out of the can. Oh, jeez. Just, like, just shot it out. The lid didn't even, like (laughs) – I'm like – Oh God! Like uh, I don't. Like, I feel like someone did not receive proper yeah, training. Yeah, I'm like, I'm you. like, none of none of what's going on is good. So, but I think that they've even like you know because that that's a very old technology, man. So, um, I think they've made a lot of those changes now, and they have a couple brands out now. Yeah. So, um, I think they've come a long way with it, even the last few years. So you do a lot of events. Yes. at the brewery and yes. kind of sponsoring off offside oh, yeah, events yeah. too Lots. have you always done that or yes. is that okay yeah that's something that that i think that um is important not just from like marketing and all that like you know it, it's it's good for marketing but for us it, it gets me in front of people that um you know we can educate and educate about the brand and all that stuff and and really my goal is just exposing you know craft as a beer to new audiences because that's what we need to be doing. Well, yeah, because there's also a, there's a wide variety of ones oh. I see oh, yeah. posted, like the car show ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's I, the Lamborghinis oh, yeah, with the, yeah. with the right. big Lost Rhino stickers on the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just they're th- things the fun to do. Yeah. Like, 
And, you know, the kids, like, you know, we have Lamborghinis parked outside. And, like, that is not our culture at all. But, like, the kids loved it. Like, it was just awesome to I see. Mean, so. I tell you, I almost wanted to drive down. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and to have, like, the new Lamborghinis and the Rolls Royces and, like, all that out there for everybody to check out. It's really cool. And they're an awesome, they're an awesome group to work with. Um, and that, that's what, like, Sterling. Yeah, um, uh, Sterling Mc- Lamborghini yeah. and McLaren. So they're a great group to work with Sterling of BMW we're working with them too. And they're just fun. They, they like to have parties and hang out and like talk about cars and all that. Yeah. And, do they let you drive the cars? Uh, not usually. So <laughs> I was fortunate enough to, to get to drive a McLaren though. That was cool. Which but, one? Um, it was a 720 S. So well, was, at least you got a good one. Yeah, yeah, so it, was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but, um, did you get it to throw flames? Uh, no, um, I didn't. I, I was more, I didn't want to wreck the thing. Yeah, so like, that was more my, that's like, I think if someone like, even came, if someone came up to me with one of those, like, Hey, you want to drive? I don't think I would. Yeah. You're like, cause uh, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to enjoy yeah, it. I would be so scared. Out. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, but again, they're just, they're a great group to, to work with and they're a lot of fun and, um, they help us promote any projects that we're doing too, so it's good. But again, it's about exposing the craft to other people that normally wouldn't, yeah. you know, be. I mean, you know, I've been to Lamborghini events, and most of the people there had never even heard of craft brewing or knew what it was or what it was about or that there were breweries around. I'm like, no, there's actually a ton of breweries, and you can go. Like, I've really tried to introduce not just my brand, just in general, yeah. you know, and. And, you know, we've got a lot of people converted doing those types of events. So, Yeah, I think that's um, that's something that everyone kind of gets stuck in their bubble. Oh, and yeah. And you just kind of think that everyone is yeah, interested knows. Or, and knows the yeah. things that you're interested in and knows. Yeah. But, and they don't. But they in reality, really, reality yeah. there are a lot of people who have absolutely no idea. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know that it's it's – that craft exists or is local or anything. They know that wineries do a lot of them do because, you know, it's been around for so long and it has a lot of heavy marketing, but for a lot of people, like it's just no idea. So that's what we do. And that's why I work with those types of groups. And you had mentioned briefly before we started recording, you worked with, um, the loud, what the loud and United. Yeah. Uh, it's the DC United, uh, extension expansion team. So, um, called Loudoun United, so they built a brand new stadium, beautiful stadium, in uh, um, Loudoun County in Leesburg, and are very fortunate to work with them and develop a beer. And it was called, uh, so we we called it uh, Pitch Please. So, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, for the pitch, soccer pitch, yeah. and all that. So um, it was a lot of fun. Sixteen ounce cans. Um, we have that flexibility, but again, it was just getting people that you know come to those games, you know, because Loudoun County in general, I know a lot of counties are. Sure, Frederick is too, but like, is that um, there's a lot of soccer teams in general that are kid, like, you know, school teams and yeah. stuff like that, but they never, you never see it really go past that. And, and, you know, Loudoun United is one of those teams where it's that buffer between, you know, high school, college, and then going to DC United. So, know, like, so. Uh, what do they call that? Or is it just semi pro or is it uh, have a different, farm, like, a, I don't know if it's farm or I think it's, I, I've just club seen a team or yeah, is that it might like be a. a I don't know. I'm it's, not sure. I'm not so. in that world. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> but they're they're a great group of people to work with too, and they're very craft centric as well. Like they want to make sure that they have craft brands that that are are exposed to those audiences. There, you know, they still have the big brands. Yeah. Right? But like, but we want to make sure giving them a ton of money to be there. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> it's that's not going to change. But but to have local 
craft brands there and helping support them is, is good for everyone. Ultimately. Well, so this year, um, the Frederick Keys. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to go to plenty of their games. It has a huge uh, craft beer presence now. That's awesome. It's man. called um, Horrible. Like the seventh, no, not seventh inning. It's fourth inning, maybe. I don't know. It, yeah, it, yeah. it has some sort of imminent inning name, sure. and I should know it, but I'm a horrible person. But it's a place where they have 26 taps, I think, and it's all Frederick Breweries. Awesome. So man. each See, each Frederick Brewery has a certain number of beers that they always have on tap now. See, at that's the awesome, Keys man. Field. Yeah, and that exposes all those people to all the different crap yeah. that's local, man. I totally, I think that's awesome. So I think that that ultimately is what um, uh, Loud and United will be doing with that. So it's good. I was excited to be part of the project. What style beer was that? Um, so we did like, you know, I can't do like a big IPA because yeah. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to expose our brand to people that normally don't drink craft. So um, we went with a uh, almost like a Kolsch style, like a okay. real light, easy drinking yeah. German ale kind well, of makes beer. Sense. Yeah, Plus, yeah. I mean, you're sitting outside in the sun yeah. watching a soccer yeah. game. Right, right. right. <laughs> and it's 16 ounces. So again, you don't want them hammered. You want them to yeah. enjoy their their game so that's that's sort of the approach we took with it you know again just to to get those transitional drinkers that people might normally drink like you know other the other big brands and bringing them into craft yeah how did you end up being chosen i don't know i think that they like came to the brewery at some point and um we just actually had some of their players in the the tasting room like a few days ago and um i think that they it's a function of, I'm sure, like Loudoun County, the economic development, but then yeah. um, visit Loudoun because visit Loudoun knows us and like, and then they know that this expansion team's coming in because we'd worked on them way before the uh, uh, the stadium was even built. So um, they knew they just uh, we just got lucky and were part of that. So and they have a few other um, local breweries that are working with them as well, but um, want to sort of like make sure that we got the cans out and yeah made it right so um who worked on the beer with you were they were they very involved or was it like a, uh, more yeah. of a social gathering type yeah collaboration? so we did a we did a we learned that this might have been part of it too is that um we did a beer a couple of years ago for the pga tour um uh the seniors pga tour in 2017 um and we took that out um and did a 16 ounce uh beer and you know, we had gone through that process because, you know, we have to have the KitchenAid rights and then, you know, Whirlpool owns KitchenAid. So there's a whole whole process that we had to go through. And with um, DC United or Loudoun United, they they I definitely wanted them to be involved because I wanted to feel like it was their beer. Yeah. So we did all you know, we tried all these different names and then and then my graphic designer came up with Pitch Please. I'm like, that's cool. I kind of yeah. like it. So, <laughs> so he tried it and they all loved it. And we have this, it's kind of ridiculous, but, um, it made the PGA tour can cause that was a 16 ounce can as well. It's called double bogey. And we put the gopher from Caddyshack in it <laughs> and he's right on the front of the can. He's like down in the corner of the can. Yeah. And, uh, so we told Loud United that he had to be on the can. That's and funny. <laughs> he made it. So he's got his red scarf on, and uh, he made the can too. So the gopher from <laughs> Caddyshack is on that can. So that just makes funny. it fun and different, you know. Where is that um, in regular distribution, or is that yep. a smaller batch? Of- uh, no, no, it's in regular distribution. So um, we have a couple of Costco's now that have picked it up. Oh, so cool. um, you know, just not a bunch. Like, and 
and we'll do a limited through their their games you know yeah. and then and then we'll s- switch it up and do it again next year you know as they start up again so because they had just they had just moved their they just had their first win here recently so at the new stadium so it's pretty ex- pretty exciting so because yeah, they were they were brand new this year right yeah it was the first year yeah they- yeah and they they started uh playing at uh audi field is where they were playing until the stadium was built and it's a no joke state like it's a legit like you know farm league stadium you know it's eight thousand seats oh so. cool i need to come down and check yeah that it out. is it's really cool um what are you distributed outside of virginia and maryland or are those the two states uh no just those two states in dc so um those are just virginia and maryland and then um we're potentially looking at florida as well because you know it's kind of ridiculous but like the reason for that is that my sister lives down there (laughs) and she's a huge fan and i think there's some potential for our brand in general because you know it's pretty ridiculous but like um our brand is not distributed at the beach and we're a beach brand. It's just kind of funny, like yeah. how that all worked out. But um, we're definitely looking at possibly going down there, and like you know, sort of like the Tampa region, and then sort of work south. But my sister retired from the Air Force, and um, she's a big craft beer fan, and obviously lost her mind. But she's a teacher down there now, and she just wanted there. It's Cigar City runs the world down there, that's for sure. And I thought there'd be a good opportunity for us to take a look at it. How far into Maryland are you, or is it? Uh, yeah, so we're uh, Baltimore, um, and then you know, we have Howard and um, Frederick, obviously. But Calvert, like a couple of the others, like we're we're not really at the beach yet here either. Yeah. So like my my goal, hopefully next year, is to to be at least at Ocean City, <laughs> crying out loud. So yeah. so I think that that we can get that done. Um, my distributor is relatively new, so. Um, they're they're located here in Frederick and great Do you use backup. Yeah, backup and um, Chris I've known for eons. So like back when he was working for Op and Wine. So uh, he um, is growing too. So we're sort of growing with him. Okay. And um, you know he's pushing out to the beach line. So I told him I'll make sure I'm on that train. So <laughs> it'll be fun though. So I'm looking forward to to getting out there and hopefully next year. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for oh, no, coming back you, on. Uh, congratulations to oh, your success and thanks, continued success. Um, I have one more oh, collaboration man, to yeah, share with you. Yeah, this will come out. The finished product will finally be out in December. Awesome. So very soon. That is soon. Um, McClintock is going to re- release it on their third year anniversary party on December 7th. That's um, exciting, man. I don't. I don't want to say the name of it yet because I'm not 100 percent no, sure what fine. we're going to call it. Um, but this is the single malt, 25 uh, percent awesome. chocolate malt, hopped with UK Goldings and Meridian hops. Awesome. Um, so, thank you for coming no, on. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. We're definitely looking forward to. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Yep, cheers. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.